In today's episode, Dave interviews Dean Haglund. Dean is best known as Richard Ringo Langley, one of the lone gunmen on Fox's X-Files. Dean was also a star on Fox's series The Lone Gunman, as well as having appeared on Bones and Robocop. Dean's also a painter, an inventor of the Chill Pack to Chill Laptops, and the host of the podcast Chill Pack Hollywood Hour. I'm Ian Foley, and this is ADD Comedy. My vision of uh, inventors, you know, for you inventing the Chill Pack, my, give, my vision is a guy in two locations, a basement or a garage, right? right? Mm-hmm. Uh, just going, honey, I'm coming right up or I'm coming right home. Let me just finish. And him staying till three o'clock in the morning and the wife having an affair. And the, <laughs> there is a couple guys like that. Like the guy who invented um, those buds, bud, Buzz Lightyear toys mm-hmm. where you turn the button on and the propeller goes and it's got a little LED light at the end of the, uh, the rotor blade uh-huh. and makes a circle over its head and it buzzes. Oh, okay. So that guy invented it. While he was eating breakfast, he would just thought, "Oh, you know, it'd be cool, little propeller on top of an action figure with the lights in, and make it like a circle light." Sold that to Disney for sixteen million dollars, right off the hoot. That right, just walked in, and he's invented other things like other toys. Was he an inventor prior to that, or was just like yeah. sitting around? No, no, no. He okay, was an inventor fine, prior fine. to that. Like yeah. he had done mm-hmm. small little right. goofy, you know, like the dishwasher, scrubby brush, or whatever. Mm-hmm. So. Uh, so now what is he? He lives up in uh, Tarzana and he's building a rocket ship. That's what he's done with his money. Just going to build a rocket that's going to blast out of Tarzana into space that can seat a guy. A guy? Yeah. One not guy. his wife. <laughs> not, not his wife. Not his wife. No, but that, it's just like, okay, I guess that's how that mind works on that guy. But, you know, well, I know, inventing, right? I, no, I'm just, I, 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 because we all do that. No, we all just sit here and kind of, we, we we space out into our idea. Like the, it sounds like the Marines are coming. Yeah, it really does. Like oh. the turn. Oh wait, us. something is happening. Well, that's why the LAPD. Oh, what is happening, ladies and gentlemen? Oh, it's a, it's a little thing for the kids They're across having, the street. Across uh, the street, there's a promotional a, thing to yeah. prevent uh, promote positive LAPD. Well, they ha- so they have, you're listening to, there's LAPD. Right. Oh, oh the yeah. kids are all lined up. The right. horses are out there. The horses so are in the, yeah, I live across you from school. The oh. horses are there wearing little, look, Santa oh, yeah, hats. Santa, the- that's why they have the Oh, Chris, yeah. The so Chris it's a police Chinese. escort of Santa coming in. Oh, jeez. That's great. Jews love seeing that. <laughs> Jews love seeing that because we're represented too. Well, it's you know the first day of Hanukkah. It's the first day of Hanukkah. Congratulations. <laughs> uh, what a mazel tov. What Thank do I say? So much. What's the proper. Uh, my, I guess. Uh, it's not a big holiday. I know. It's just not a holiday. It's, it's not a fucking big holiday. You just stuck it in there because we were doing Christmas, for crying out loud. Not so I. Don't blame me, Dean. <laughs> don't blame me. I didn't do any of that shit. I, I didn't do any to, of that shit. I had a really... Now, okay, I want to show you this. I want to show okay. you this because we're talking about inventions. Stay here. Okay, I'll stay here. here. So we're talking about inventions. Right. So I get this gift. It's a menorah. Right. It's a Moorish menorah. Moorish? Moorish. It's, a rep- it's, a, it's from the 15th... It's from the 15th, it's not from the, it's a representation from the 15th century. Right, right. Okay, so somebody sent it to me. I can't it's remember. It's a brass who. thing with the whole. It's brass and it's really beautiful. It's, it's kind of gorgeous. It's yeah. really, and I, and I use it and I like the candle because I love it. Now, do you see how, uh, so the menorah, the top menorah called the Shamash, which is uh, the one that lights all the other ones. Right. It's at the top, so it's sort of in a pyramid shape. Right. The top menorah has a stand that now, that is in the back right. behind the rest of them. It wasn't sent to me that way. It was sent to me so it was in the front so that these li- – it was a fire hazard. <laughs> and I got a message from the uh, – Owner um, or uh, – uh, From w- the Art Institute of Chicago or something like that saying, you got this gift. We have You have to return it because it's, it's a, a fire hazard. <gasps> so this is an invention that's 600 years old that they're just recalling. Now, 600-year recall. Oh, my gosh. We, were, we just took a look at it. First guy who lighted and uh, exactly. after 600 years. 600 years. And you figure, well, how did that get out of that Jewish guy's basement right. or garage? Like, uh, yeah. How did, and how did the designer not figure that heat rises? Right, exactly. And, just, that, you put it on, and you just put it on the so other side. So all that I did was I just put it on the other side. And then what happens is when the fire comes over here, it gives, it's silhouettes it. oh, it's really lovely beautiful. nobody knows what the hell we're talking about yeah, knows know. well put a picture on there yeah put a picture on it uh but to have an invention like that it's some so we we live i've talked about this a lot on the podcast we live in fucking magical times dude. <laughs> we really really do we do and if you don't think that we do get the fuck out of your house well for instance i walk my dogs at 4 30 in the morning mm-hmm. 
downtown. Say, you're, you're downtown. downtown. I live downtown LA and I love it. In a loft. In a, lo- in a 1929 department store. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm on menswear. Got it. And then, uh, and then my uh, sink was full of dirty dishes. I have this machine, you see. Wait, wait, slow down. <laughs> I got this machine <laughs> and I stick all the dirty dishes in it uh-huh. and put a little plastic gel of crap in there. Right. And then I push a button and I go back to bed. And when I wake up a couple hours later, there's a magical box full of clean dishes in there. How magical! <laughs> That's is impossible. That? You're talking fantasy there. <laughs> when I was married, Katie and I had the um, Fisher Paykel dish drawers. So oh, yeah, yeah. you know what I'm talking about. So totally. it's one dishwasher, but it's separated in half. So it's now two separate dishwashers, but right. half the size. And you can use it as the drawers. You can use. You can. What just, happens is you. Yeah, you and you only have to do a half a fucking load. Because a half a load is a load. Right. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I was looking at it going, God, I missed that. <laughs> but but you you live alone? No, no. I have uh, my girlfriend, Patty. Your girlfriend, Patty. Yes. You guys have been going out for a while. Yes, seven years. Okay. Eight. So so yeah. I live alone. So right. for me, doing the dishes doesn't take me away from really bad. Well, that's the thing, right? Yeah. Uh, and and when, you, when I, because my girlfriend travels two months out of every, or two weeks out of every month. So okay. She's internal audit for a big car dealership and she uh-huh. has to travel all over auditing dealerships. So that makes her fly. So when she's out, I don't barely, I bore a bowl of cereal. You get like one bowl and you just keep yep. washing that all week. Yeah. But mm-hmm. then when she comes home to elaborate dinners, cooked at home, so she's ah, that's to surround yourself with people that inspire you. Right. Or worse yet, <laughs> I think we both know this, to surround yourself with people that don't inspire you. And how, for me, I felt like, I can't be in that anymore. I yeah. can't be in those relationships anymore. Yeah. I cannot, I, I, can, I will not, don't ever read the reviews of people who are reading, listening to your podcast. Never. I don't know if you ever do. <laughs> I never do. So when, I did it yesterday just going, I wonder what it is. I did it once. Someone says, David Wazowski screams about being, he yells, he swears a lot, and he screams about how uh, spiritual he is, and it just turns out negative. It's like, shut up and let the guest talk. I'm like, fuck you, I don't even know who you are. That's um, hilarious. So uh, the idea of having having people around you who are inspiring, I don't even remember what my, my, right. my topic was, because I just I just read that fucking thing. I love but it. having people around you that inspire you, because the, the option for me, is, is reading it? these reviews all the time, right. right? And get the fuck out of your get out. The, exactly. We did our, our documentary, "The Truth Is Out There." Yeah. It's up online now at UFO TV, and so now it's got the open comment page, which we never had before. We always like, uh, you know, send us an email if you have something to say, but right. on the comments we don't really let it open. So, uh, my God, these <laughs> like I read two of them. I didn't even bother reading the rest no. of them. No, no, and. There's something where you go, I'm an impermeable membrane and these people can't get in. Right. I don't know. Fuck you. What did they say? <laughs> so, oh, here's an opportunity for me to really think about what they just said. Maybe they're right. I don't. I don't know. But I have a nose that can open a pickle jar. Is that really constructive to the documentary? <laughs> oh, is that the kind of things that people are saying? <laughs> <They> say <that laughs> yeah. Oh. I know. Just like, well, what the fuck is that for? Right. Like, yeah. But you're, you're doing a you got a lot of, you're doing a lot of stuff. I'm doing a lot of stuff. There's a lot of stuff going on. Uh, let's see. Well, the acting continues on. I did uh, SciFest last year and doing it again this year. Okay, the Science say, Fiction Theater Festival. You, so you're so when you say you're doing that, what you're doing is you're going to science sci-fi conventions, right? Right. And you are and you 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 are doing a presentation. You're I, doing a show. I do a show. I do a one-man improvised episode of the X Files mm-hmm. that I've done at the Edinburgh Fringe Festival and around the world, and it's been. The godsend. And in fact, Roman Danilo and I just had dinner last night. I don't know if you know, remember Roman? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. That guy's got a show now called Comic Strippers because he still is cut and hairless on the chest and he can do one-on push-ups for two minutes. And so it's him and like three other hunky improvisers that look like Chippendale strippers, but they do improv comedy. What's the name of it? Comic Strippers. Nice. Yeah, right? Sells itself. Comic strippers, comic strippers. Comics, it's like a comic strip. And they, it's a photograph of them with their shirts off and little bow ties. Right. All like the ladies got, yeah. And, and they they don't strip. No. <laughs> they're just basically shirtless. Right. And do improv games. Okay. Anybody that says that they can't make a living doing what it is because <laughs> their business dried up, I want to go say, go fuck yourself. <clears throat> this guy, he's booking his own theater. Right. You know, the pre He's booking team. his own theater. Yeah. 
you've got, if you want to have a live, if you want to make a living, do that. I know. You know what I mean? That's what he said. It's a, so you just go and do that. You call a theater. You don't know what neighborhood it is. Like, whatever, man. And then you go, okay, how much to rent for the night? It's like, uh, well, $1,000, okay. And then you just start your brown paper tickets. It's like, hey, and then you get some information and they help promote it. And then uh, you're half sold out by the time you get there. And the other half, you come in a day early, just get on TV with your shirt off and the other half fills up. I mean, that's, <laughs> that's, of course, you know, you have to have a certain type of body. It takes a certain type of, it takes a certain type of actor in order to pull that sort of thing off. Well, I, but they're, they're, they always bring a third guy in who doesn't have that body, which is even funnier. <laughs> so then they know it's not really a stripper show. All right, all right. Look at all. Okay. So, okay, so, so this guy, no, 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 no. That's Roman. So this guy has the infrastructure laid out and right. he says, this is who I am. This is what I do. Right. And, and I, I got to tell you, I keep like this is the year that I want to grab people and say, if, if, you, if you're fucking sitting at home, stop it. Stop it. Because there's so much to do. So we do Tuesday night is uh, Lash, the Lash Big and Tall Comedy Show. Me and Steve Benequist. I don't know. Uh, uh, Steve Benequist did uh, Liquid Radio over at the oh, okay. Acme. He right. was a part of that. Mm-hmm. And um, it's a stand up show, but it's in the back of what we think is an S&M club. Mm-hmm. But it's Tuesday night, so there's not really much uh, in the weird. But it's like black tile and mirrors and weird mirror balls. Wait, wait, wait. S&M folk take Tuesday off? Is that what you're saying? <laughs> you're saying that's, a, that's sort of the, 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 the well, safe word night. <laughs> Honey watermelon this evening. Okay, let's not go out. <laughs> so, so uh, well, though, there was one Tuesday night, though, as we were leaving. The show ends around 1030. Uh there was like a group hanging out and one guy in a goat head, like a full goat mask with a horn, curly horn, just standing there with his drink, chatting with everyone. It's like, oh, what's is that, the next show? Is that cosplay? <laughs> I don't think so. Because everybody else was dressed normally. I think maybe it was just some other fun time. Maybe he joke. thought it was cosplay night. <laughs> right? and, and he thought, just, just sit, just walk in, just walk in. 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 Just Jesus. Jesus. It's Wednesday, right? No, Wait. no, no. <laughs> Fuck. Oh, I got to read my Twitter closely. What the hell? Exactly. They said tonight. Tonight. It was yesterday. No. All right. It's just animal walk night. In. Just it's animal in. head night, everybody. Just it's, animal, <laughs> it's animal head night, folks. Animal head night in a place like this could mean a couple of things. It could. Animal head. Animal I went in the back head? and got some animal head. <laughs> That's right. So, the lash. It's a lovely place. Where is it? It's uh, uh, in between Maine and Los Angeles. Oh, so you're downtown. Th- yeah, it's in downtown. The crazy shit that goes on downtown. I think a lot of people don't go downtown. Well, that's why I started the Broadway walking tour. Yes. So I can show everybody the fantastic historical vaudeville and silent film locations that are still there. And uh, Downtown Los Angeles, for those who don't know, has the largest collection of original vaudeville houses dating back from uh, the first one's 1910. All the way up to 1931. Isn't it true because of white flight that that happened? Yeah. Because everybody left L.A. All at after, once. The, after the Watts riots? Well, no, no. It was before that. It was Eisenhower paving America. So the 101 was built in 54. And uh, coincidentally, there was a orange glut. So the market on oranges fell through the bottom floor. And at that time, all the trees in the valley, all the orange groves... <gasps> We're at the 30-year time where you have to dig them up and replant them or your oranges are too pulpy. Right. And in that two years, you have to wait for the oranges to, to produce again. You have to ride out the cash that you've saved from that crop. And because the bottom fell out, all these developers came in and bought it pennies to the dollar on all that land. And that's why all the buildings in the valley look exactly the same. It was all basically 1954 to 56. Sweet. I thought it was also, I thought it was because of the the riots and shit like that. Well, the riots, the Watts riots was 67, 68. 68. Someone's yelling at their their iPad. Yeah, exactly. Okay, you have the benefit of the internet folks out (laughs) there. We're just being analog, totally, (laughs) and digital. But, uh, But so around that time, sure, but that didn't help. Didn't help. Well, and and so also the military had the GI Bill for a thousand dollars. You can buy a three bedroom house, thousand dollars down, and then they would uh, cover your mortgage in the, in Burbank, in all of the valley, San Fernando Valley, like anywhere you could find a thousand dollar house. And those houses that they were building in the valley were a thousand dollars, and you had a freeway, and it was the promise of the suburbs and the white picket fence. So it was like 
it was so marketed for everybody. So they all split. I got out of, you know, uh, clapboard housing that was already 60, 70 years old. It was starting to get dilapidated and it was wood. So there was a lot of termite uh, infestation that they didn't know how to fix back then. And so everybody's like, I mean, what, a termite ridden thing downtown or a brand new bloody thing out in the valley. Right. Boom, out in the valley for a thousand bucks. I love downtown. I do too. I love it. I love the food. Food. Food I, is I, great. We go to, uh, we, me and the voices in my head, we go to <laughs> the last remaining seats. Oh, yeah, LA yeah. LA Conservancy where what? they take some of those shuttered theaters and once a year for a week or something like that, show a movie in it. Yeah, yeah. And then shutter it back up. Well, they don't shutter it. It's actually for rent. So you can like rent the, oh, you can go in and rent the Los Angeles Theater or right. the Palace or mm-hmm. the uh, Orpheum. Or the Orpheum is really popular now. Melissa right. Etheridge is there uh, last night. Uh, I, so you think I you can dance before, audition? I was at or the Orpheum before they renovated it. Oh, really? With the last remaining seats. So they have this gold fleck wallpaper that goes from the main floor all the way up. And at the uh, line where the, um, uh, where the balcony was, it was all black. <gasps> And it was black because that was a smoking section. Oh, no way. Yeah. Oh, man. And, and we saw Billy Barty um, introducing, a, 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 when I say a dog and pony show, I mean a dog and pony show. <laughs> he did, a, he introduced a dog and pony show, did some really shitty stand-up. Like, yeah, Mickey Rooney and I almost grew up together in this, almost grew up together in this theater. It was a short joke, I guess. It didn't I, roll yeah. over well. And then they showed uh, Horse Feathers. Oh, was he Billy Barty in Horse Feathers? No, Billy Barty. He just they the L.A. Conservancy hired him oh. to do to to MC that night. So what they do now is they get like people have a personal connection. So Harold Lloyd's granddaughter comes in and introduces a lot of Harold Lloyd films. Right, and then the Wurlitzer organ rises up from the stage, which is now fully operational. <laughs> yeah, and they had a ninety-seven-year-old guy who played there when he was twelve years old, still playing to the silent films. But now Berkeley, uh, UC Berkeley has a training program for musicians to learn how to play to silent films and go out to all the revival houses across America now. Um, you know, so, isn't that a brilliant to like I, a, I, Again, we go into, we, can, we go back to surround yourself with people that are inspiring to you. That idea of like this LA, there's, who sang it? I read it or I heard it on KUSC, the classicalization. They, they call LA the, the, the entertainment capital of the world. <laughs> and, and you go, well, that's a bit hyperbolic. But then you go, no, it's not hyperbolic. Because, was- I mean, listen, you, I know you from, uh, from Nia and Ian, right? Right. From the, Nia but, well, even the improv, like, from the improv Second world. City. Uh, right. Yeah, because Styles was a... Uh, Ryan Styles. In, in Vancouver Theater Sports. So you in. did, you did the, so we used to have the, uh, the Second City alumni. So you did that on the pier. Yeah, yeah, in Santa yeah. Santa Monica. Santa Monica. Maybe Monica. that's where I know you. Yeah, from. yeah. Okay, so, so all of that stuff, like, that... Second City brought me, essentially brought me out here. Right. Out here brought you out here. Out yeah. here brought all these other people out here. And for creative people to surround yourself with fucking creative people, is it rocks. It rocks. And I, I read this quote yesterday. It's such a corny quote, but it really works. The quote is, you know, a candle, you don't diminish a candle's uh, flame by lighting another candle with it. Ah, uh, that's lovely. It really, really is lovely. And it's not the jealousy, oh, fuck that guy, man. He's doing whatever. That guy got that gig and this guy... It's like, get in line, man. There's going to be gigs for the, till the cows come home. That's exactly it. And I think there's more gigs now. And I think live theater is coming back even more. Because, like, um, there was a couple kids. A couple kids. Can you hear me? No, no. Yeah, everything's fine. I just want to make sure. Um, I, 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 hold that couple kids thought. Okay. Because I did a podcast with John Capelos here a couple of days ago. And you recorded And the over. Zoom just stopped. Oh, is that I'm right? Like, oh, geez. Uh, yeah, the recording thing just stopped. Like, oh, but it was good that it stopped because we started again and it got really deep. Oh. So there's a couple of kids, couple of kids, high school. They don't understand why you go to movies. Like, what is? Why wouldn't you watch it at home? Why do you go in that thing? But what they do understand, live theater. Live theater makes sense because it's connection, there's people, and laughter, and things, and you you develop this like in, intense, intimate bond immediately. Right. And you're like, oh, if this next generation of kids. Are going to be into live theater and live comedy, and then watch your movies or whatever at home, and to hell with the giant multiplexes. That would be awesome. The giant multiplexes, because, boy. Man, those guys, that's a gang unto themselves. Those Show West exhibitors, you know, and you think of your contract, right? A friend of mine did a movie in Canada, and he only showed it in major theaters across Canada for eight days. 
and then went straight to TV. So the idea was that there was enough fan base to get it for eight days, but also that contract is you get 90% of the profit on the first week. Then it's 80% the second week, and then it goes down 10% till if you have a sleeper hit, like Big Fat Greek Wedding, that was actually very detrimental to uh, Playtone because they were only getting 10% of that money after it was taken off and the, and the show West and all those exhibitors and the owners of those theaters would take the, all the millions of dollars out of the hands of the artists who created. Playtime was the producer, the, produ the production, production company for that. Right. right. Yeah. I think that that's a deal that isn't made anymore, really. Is, is it? it? I think it still exists. Well, with the she, I thought that she, that Nia made so much dough on that They one. did because they had to sue. There was a lawsuit where they claimed to get that money back. So they had to go back and sue. Just like Mel Gibson had to sue for uh, Passion of the Christ. Right. Because they said, what other movie are we going to make? If you're an independent movie maker and you make a you know, half billion dollar movie somehow, you will you will fight tooth and nail to get that from the distributors. Because they're like, you don't have a studio backing behind you. And then you don't have the threat of like, I got another half billion dollar movie in my pocket. No, you don't. That was a 300-yard putt, my friend. <laughs> Go fuck yourself. Good luck getting the cash out of this bit. A 300-yard putt? <laughs> yes. That's an awesome phrase. Because you go, wait, did he say 300 yards? Wait, 300 yards. Your putt. <laughs> so it's like... It's a 900-foot putt. It's a putt. And you go, why are you putting? Are you wait, putting? get that on the stick out. The stick with the big head on it. Fucking whack that fucker. That's always what I think when a movie out of nowhere becomes a sleeper hit. That was like, you know, you had yeah. to go through so many right. roles and things to get a movie made. We just, yeah, I just executive produced this movie uh, last year called The Lady Killers. Yeah. And man, that nearly killed me. It was so stressful. I don't know how people do it. I don't know how people do it. Like I look at the guy. I did a, I did a movie short yesterday that was just fucking gorgeous. It was beautiful. Period piece done in a period theater. And oh. it's a short. And they did. They shot on uh, on red. The red. Yeah, uh, yeah. What, what would you call it? Uh, the red digital HD. Yeah, digital HD. Red digital HD. They shot red digital HD. One continuous shot for 13 pages. You know, so they did a lot. It's like Birdman. Or yeah, 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 yeah. You know, so they did a lot of internal where you don't see where the cut would be. Right. And this thing was gorgeous. They did not have a line producer on it. Oh, dear. Yeah. But it took, so it took a really long time, but they fucking figured it out. Right. So, so, but I was watching the producers, the three, the director, the, the director, the producer, the writer, the, I, I'm not quite sure what the combo platter is right. or what any of them did, but they were all, I, I watched them, I, I watched the producer be such a producer, you know. He was like, like his 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 shape was producer shape. I know. And his tempo was producer tempo. And he was looking all over. And he walked out to the to the craft service table. And he went and he and he took a Dorito. And then he walked out and he walked back in. And he went. I went. I came down here to go to the bathroom. And I went and got <laughs> a Dorito. And it's like, what the fuck is happening? I know. And you get the shoulder hunch because like the whole production is sitting on your shoulders. Well, that's like, why Jews look the way they do. <laughs> Because they have the weight of the world on their shoulders, and they're going. Oh, oh, yeah. uh, but they're, they're not all producing, no, are they? And like, I, I don't know. No, maybe they I, are. The, the part that I played was a. Uh, the part that I played was uh, the 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 harried. It wasn't even harried. I was kind of good. The guy's name was Harry. Uh, harried uh, manager of the two starlets, nineteen forties, and cool. uh, and I took on that weight of the world oh, and that yeah. sort of thing. But getting back to the executive producing oh, yeah. thing, like it, I don't understand why you guys do that. Well, I don't understand. Uh, it, it came to me uh, de facto because I had the production company mm -hmm. and, uh, you know, uh, my co-producer, co-host on the podcast of seven years said, okay, let's do this movie. We'll use your production company as the, you know, thing. And so, mm -hmm. therefore, I was the executive producer and, uh, you know, that that should have taken some more thinking because we didn't have, <laughs> we didn't have a, anybody in experience in unit production management. And if you don't have somebody out in the fucking street directing where the fucking trucks go, right? All that sort of thing. It's like general and, being your own general contractor when you're doing redoing your house. Redoing your house, and you have to know plumbing, the drywalling, painting, and how to deal with people, and how to deal with and people, how to deal with like finances. So, uh, uh, finance, budget, that kind of shit. Yeah. So there comes a time where any artist has has a. a 
there's a crossroads. Right. And the crossroads is, I love doing teaching improv, we'll say. Right. I love teaching improv. I love improvising. I love teaching improv. It's one of the things that I do. And you come to the crossroads. And the crossroads is, it's the corner of artistry and uh uh, artistry and professionalism, or right. artistry and business, business. right? Yeah. And you come to that corner and you go, I'm at this corner. I never thought, I, I didn't see this coming. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or maybe you did see it coming. But it changes too. That's the whole thing. The business model changes. Or what business model changes? Well, the business model of uh, like now Kickstarter and funding it, they're, you know, uh, pre-funding <clears throat> a movie. Or, or uh, it used to be that you had to have a merchant account if you wanted to sell things online, and then PayPal and Square all came in. Right. So you know, there's all these. Do you things. use those guys? I do. I do Square for sure. I do PayPal. What's the difference? Uh, Square is uh, what's the same guy from the same company, but but Square is the thing you can plug in. I have phone a, I have a dongle for for, for PayPal. PayPal. Yeah, they they copied after they saw what Square did. But the thing is, it's the same then, right? Yeah, it, I think it's like a point to zero one percent cheaper on, With, the fees. on Square. Yeah, on Square. Okay, great. Right, yeah. Right. And it was, and they were there first. So at all the conventions, you you know, who carries cash anymore? So you sell your autographs. God, just that's so interesting because I was I was in this short. Uh, my friend Brian Shortle, um, who got me this gig, he said um, he showed me his iPhone, yeah. and his iPhone had has it has the square thing on there. No, 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 no. Oh. He showed me his iPhone, and his iPhone is in a case, and this case has his credit cards. And I said, "Where's your cash?" And he goes, "Cash." Yeah. Why do I carry cash? cash? Yeah. Who carries cash? And I'm thinking, what do you mean? Who? And I thought, when was the last time I used cash? Right? Like as a tip at the bar, maybe? That's what I'm saying. Really... Or when I go to the airport and a guy takes the thing out of the thing. Yeah. And you t like that's a cash-based thing. And, but... he, and he took out his credit cards. He goes, see these? In five years, you don't even need to use those. That's right. It's all going to your phone. Fuck. I know. No, here's the thing about the phone. I've talked about this before. Why do we call it a phone? I never use it as a phone. I so seldom use it as a phone. Well, I guess that's why they put the smart in front of it and not tele. So it's smartphone instead of telephone. So you know, you might it's, be honest something. It's I, not the Greek tele. Uh, teleporting. Telesend. Well, tele is, I forget what the Greek acronym. That's why telephone, telegraph, tele. Uh, uh, telemarketing. Telemarketing is all about uh, sending. So right, that's the you're sending thing. marketing. Right. Yeah. But I. But now it's a smartphone, so I'm not sending anything. I'm just. It's my brain. It's taking over my memory. Remember when you used to memorize guys' numbers? Oh, fuck yeah! Right. Yeah. And now it's like, hey, what's the what's your friend's number? Right. Oh, uh, let me look that up. Yeah. Yeah. It's just like, oh, but let's. What's your, what's your friend's number? Um. Uh, so you go. Let me take out my phone and just mail it. Send it to me. Yeah. All right. How about this? What's your friend's number? Let me take out my computer. Uh, let me. What's your friend's number? Let me take out my camera, and uh, here, mail it, mail it to my camera. Because that's really for me what it is. It's like uh, send it to my camera. So it's a camera you talk on. It's a camera that I talk on. It's first and foremost a camera. Um, uh, that's right. And that same with David Hockney. He says basically my uh, my sketchpad, my iPad is my sketchpad that I can make calls on. Yeah. So it's like, yeah. so he's spending all of his time sketching on it. And then when somebody needs to talk to him, he just talks to his sketch It's pack, crazy. I right? mean, David Hockney's been doing some crazy shit for a long fucking time. Long fucking time. But it's really interesting. I think, you know, he's really embracing that. He's always embraced the technology and the, and the technology's always moved forward. And that documentary where he's showing the technology they probably used in the uh, Renaissance, right, with right. the prism glasses to like yes. you could copy, yeah, and you look and at all that they're doing is tracers. Yeah, he's not the, a Rembrandt. Fuck him. Vermeer tracer. Vermeer had, Vermeer. had right. the uh, camera obscura, and even yeah. Caravaggio. If you stand at a Caravaggio dead on, it's slightly off. You have to stand to the left because they think his uh, uh, eye hole was in the other room, and that projected left to right oh. on the canvas. So the canvas was not ninety degrees to the to the pinhole uh, and the model on the other side, it was slightly at a uh, 35 degree angle. He was a douchebag. He was a, I think, uh, I think it was lead poisoning because the lead white that he used, because he had such a white, uh, you know, he did that char charaguzo. Yeah, charascura. Charascura. So yeah. You, so you, if you have all that lead on your hands and you're painting with that, you can go crazy. I had, I had a girlfriend who told me a story can I tell this story? Yes. She told me a story. Yes, tell me <laughs> yeah. a story. Oh, I love that. Um, uh, where I hadn't seen her in a really, really long time, and I saw her in Europe this year, where she, she's moved to Europe, and I saw her in Europe this year, and she told me this story about her father and her father's two sisters, mm -hmm. and they're, they're Irish, and his father and his father's two sisters, and their father went crazy, <gasps> and went committed suicide or something like that. Oh, yeah. And then their 
two, like his two sisters also went crazy. And as they got older and they're going, oh my God, I have uh, Alzheimer's. So they thought they had Alzheimer's because they, they both figured out that, you know, it's like then they, they both went crazy. Right. And the father said, I am not going to let Alzheimer's get to me. So if it starts to get to me, I'm going to end it all oh, wow. before it gets to me. Okay. So he did. He committed suicide. Right. And they did an autopsy. And the autopsy, because he committed suicide, yeah. the autopsy discovered a high amount of lead in his system. His father, their father, was uh, what they call it, spackling or whatever. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah putting yeah. up lath work. Uh, right, the, the plaster. Plaster. Yeah. And the plaster had lead in it, and he would wash his tools in the kitchen sink. And everybody ate from that and drank and the water. And everybody ate from that. Mm, see? And what lead does, it, it first breaks down uh, your frontal uh, cortex. So it affects your ability to uh, manage your emotions. So that's why you start going your off emotions, your, your emotions. Yeah, emotions. 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 So uh -huh. you, you start having, uh, you know, any rage, you suddenly get, it overtakes you. And this is theoretically over. Um, yeah, not just Caravaggio, Van Gogh uh -huh. uh, kept all the brushes in his mouth as he painted out in the field. So he had like all of these different paints. And in the time of Impressionism, uh, why Impressionism went the uh, thing is because all these painting companies started putting chemicals in with the thing and, and having tubes of paint. So that's why you could go out and paint these brilliant colors out in the field all of a sudden because uh -huh. you had portable paint. You didn't have to grind yourself in the studio. Got it. In a, in a lead uh, tube uh -huh. and that the green that you see in most of the impressionist paintings is actually rat poison with linseed oil that's how they got that green so who figured that shit out? i know right <laughs> let's put the rat poison with this right. oil you know, we need, uh, you know toothpaste isn't working you know what about <laughs> those know. leaves i'll crunch up leaves fuck the no so right? so they think most of the impressionist painters were you know stoned you know, stoned and dying uh prematurely because of all the harmful chemicals in those early uh, paints. I wonder if watercolorists lasted longer. <laughs> I think they did, right? Because they, they were a lot more. Is your medium watercolor? I do watercolor, uh, but if I do watercolor, I do watercolor with pen and ink. Because uh -huh. I like the detail that, you know, and so if you go outside the lines, the pen can sort of correct it, make it look like you're in. And so you can go wild and wide with the watercolor and then, and then bring it in with the inks. And, then, uh, and your, your work is on your website? My work is on my website. DeanHaglin.com? DeanHaglin.com. And then I uh, also am at uh, Force Majeure, or Art Majeure, uh, is a European site where they sell. And then uh, I think Fine Art America just contacted me, so I might Sweet. do that. And are you doing all this stuff yourself, or do you have a manager? I'm doing it all myself. Do you like that? Because I, I do everything myself. Yeah. Are, I, did you do your website yourself? I did. Uh, uh, is it, what's it called? Uh, what's your template? I use Shopify. I went to Shopify. Shopify. Yes, just to have. So it is basically the entire shopping cart is the website, and then you just put your products in there, and you can set your blog up, and you can have a. What's, the, what's page. the big one that everybody uses? Uh, uh, yeah, I know. Uh, <laughs> I want to say Foursquare, but that's no, not, not it. Foursquare. No, no, the, the, the easy one. The one that our Chill Pack Hollywood Hour is on. The super. Why can't I think of the name? That every it's. It's one of your sponsors. Yes, yeah, so it's one of our sponsors. <laughs> Well, no, I just bought a piece of software that's called Rapid Weaver, uh -huh. and it's uh, made for Mac, and it's uh, you build a website, just drag and drop elements into it, and bang, it goes. Okay, I want to check that out, because, yeah. I, because I was told the other day that, and I know this, I mean, my, my website I put together with, uh, this gets so boring for most people, um, iWeb. Um, oh, we're yeah, gonna, yeah. We're going to pass it, but I, it's mostly on iWeb, but iWeb... Which is Disc the Mac software. Is, and no longer... They, well, for years they haven't done anything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I still have it on there. So it looks... Sort of looks... It, it, it's not... It doesn't look Soviet, but it sort of looks like a carnival. It and, looks like Space Jam. <laughs> <laughs> you know that Space Jam hasn't changed their website from the movie? If it's 90, yeah. Take a look. If you're listening to my voice, anybody, go right now to Space Jam. And they haven't changed it since 96. But it's still up. It's right. still there. Right. And it's just like, why are you still promoting Space Jam in a 96 model website? You know, like, well, you go back to Hockney, David Hockney, um, uh, and, and, and if you, I think that if you aren't paying attention to what's going on technologically and you're an artist of any kind, 
You I do. think you're. You, I think that what's happening is you're you're dragging yourself down. Yeah, you're dragging yourself down. Now, now I, I have. I don't. Do you have time? Do you yes. have time? I mean, I'm There's saying do it right now. No. I'm just saying, do you have time in your day? Oh, because for me, I look at it and I go. People go. You must be really busy. You're traveling all the time. Well, not really. <laughs> um, so I can fuck around on the internet better than anybody right. else. Right. You know, but I get that. That gets me to a level of. Not despondency, but uh, a malaise, right? I just get, you look at all, you know, you read these news articles and then, of course, because of the X-Files, I've, I, I'm uh, taken on, hey, man, look at this link and it goes on so dark conspiracy realms. when you realms. say, hey, man, look at this link, who's saying that to you? Oh, you know, I, I have Not a, the voice in your head. No, no, not the voice in my uh -huh. head. There's a series of friends that I have known from uh, researching my role as a conspiracy theorist that I still keep in touch with. So the... Jordan Maxwell's a Dr. Roger Lear's uh, Daily Departed, and you know the, the stands. All these guys will send me emails now and then, going, "You might want to pay attention to this for interesting article." And then it sort of ties to like some other things. So you see, uh, those kind of things could get you into a, a dark space <laughs> rather quickly. Which then you go, oh, "Why did I even bother?" <laughs> so. I, um, my cousin is his name is Phil Plate, and he's he's got a he's got a blog. He's, it's called um, Bad Astronomer. He's an yeah. astronomer, and he has a uh, he has a blog that he does on Slate, I believe. Okay. Slate, and Slate's he's pretty well known. Uh, he's got he had a TV show on Discovery, um, which pissed me off because he got on TV before I did. <laughs> um, hey, and, you got on that improv show in the nineties. What was that? Oh, one? oh, oh. Oh, yeah, yeah, you yeah. Produced yeah. It, didn't yeah, you produced it. Yeah, I produced that show. I yeah. produced that show. Quick I can't wits. remember the name. Quick Wits. Quick, quick Wits. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, I was on. I have nothing to complain. Um, but <laughs> I, but uh, the universe that he has of connected people because of what he's doing, because he does astronomy things, he also does education, he does science stuff right. as well. But it's that universe of coming in, and I know how he works so hard to crank out. I, I think it just comes natural to him. He's very curious, he's very energetic. <clears throat> Excuse me, he's very focused. And um, and his stuff is, <coughs> excuse me. No, you want water? Uh, no, I think I've got a little bit of coffee. <laughs> oh, that's coffee. Just a little bit. Uh -huh. <clears throat> um, he has, his stuff is so interesting and his blog is really deep and, and it's his point of view. And I was reading your blog and they're just little like paragraphs. Right. I love that <laughs> because <laughs> it just, I think most people go, it's got to be huge and long and big. Yeah, no. And I'm like, <coughs> why? No, just look, I'm so busy. And I really don't like blogging because it's like, you know, if you're really curious, you can listen to the podcast. Or, right. you know, uh, it, the so blog is sort of like just here's a headline of where my head's at this, you know, week or whatever. And it connects to the art that I'm doing and you see like other things. So you can follow tangents and, and sort of get the whole collective picture of what's going on with me. As opposed to setting it down and going... Here's what's going on with my whole collective picture, and if I put it in the form of writing, then it doesn't. Then I, I burnt that out. It's not there for the art. It's not there for the painting. It's not there for the comedy. It's not there for the improv. You know. So I like to have some in reserve so that it bubbles out of you on the moment when you need it. On you know, in in the moment of whatever medium you're working in. That rocks, <laughs> right? That rocks. And and what's also interesting is. Um, Talking about all the things that you're doing, right? Um, it's kind of all you, one thing, though. That's, it is all one thing. But what is that one thing then? Well, it's this. It's kind of like you know, the energy. Like so I always get uh, when I was performing over in Europe, their style of stand-up is very you know, I've got a guy speaking properly, and it's uh, you know Jim Jeffries. Just kind of you know, here's some observations. God, and good. Like, oh yeah, and then uh, I come on stage. Big energy, woo, party, let's do, like, thing. And everyone goes, oh, Mr. Hagelin tries too hard. Here's the thing, it's like... Stop reading him, stop reading him, stop reading Yeah, I know, I know. I stopped reading him at that point. <laughs> and then it's just like, trying too hard. What do you think? That is my natural energy. This is exactly whatever. And that energy is the creative it, right? So right. if I just sit there and just try, like, container, watch TV, it fucking, it just eats you up. And it's like, the, it comes out as muscle tension. It comes out as, like, your ears turn red. Like it, it manifests itself physically if it doesn't come out in some creative form. So and that's just something I know about myself. And it's not trying too hard. And it's not, you know, and I do a ton of yoga. And that actually brings up the energy more. It's not, it's not a relaxing uh, 
thing to dissipate that energy. It's like it, it actually it's, it energizes me even higher, if you can imagine that. That's great. <laughs> That's great. No, I, there's just so many things there. Uh, the, the thing that gets me most is the non-codifying of what it is that you do. Right. Yeah, I know. I'm not that. I'm. I'm. I'm part that. I. I. That is part of me. Right. That is part of me. 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 So and I think that what ends up happening is, if you say this is who I am, you're not allowing those those other things to get in. So you're, you know, and watch me tie this into racism. Okay. That codifying to one thing has us reduce each and every person into a one dimension reality. And that is also how then the cops see kids in the street, the black people, like all of that just becomes this one dimensional thing and we can't actually take a moment to embrace a three dimensional, who you are, and you know, and then recognize what is threat and what's just crazy kid energy and what's a teenager being an asshole and what is you know, a little 12 year old with a toy gun. It all looks the same because we codify to a one dimensional space and then we come out guns a blazing. Oh, and it's so so, and it just drives me nuts. It's so interesting because as you're saying that, I'm thinking, okay, what's the example in my head? My, the example in my head of that, because I totally agree and I totally understand. The example is this: you go to the grocery store and you see your grammar school teacher, and for me, I'm like, what the fuck are you doing here? Because you're that one thing, and how dare you be a human being, right? Exactly. In the store, get out! Get, you're fucking with my understanding of how the universe works. Here. I know. And so, and then, to my mind, the internet actually makes that worse because if I have any one-dimensional thinking, and I have my, my teacher's a fucking idiot. I can find a website and a social network and a group that all agree with me. Right. And I'm not, there's, nobody's going to sit me down and go, well, now there's another way to think about your teacher there, mm -hmm. Mr. Brzezowski. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's a human being. Yeah. No, you go, fuck you, man. Look at all these people online. They all agree with me. Ah! And then you all go spiraling out of control. You could also go the other way, which is, um, Mrs. Dunbar, fuck her. What is she doing? What is she, what is Helen Dunbar doing at Jewel? Which right. is a supermarket in Chicago. Right. What is Helen Dunbar doing at the Jewel? And you go, and then you Google her and you go, Helen Dunbar. Helen Dunbar? She, what? She was, she grew up in, in Raleigh, Durham, right. and she has a painting degree, and she is also my, you know, you can see right. that other way yes. of looking at things. However, I don't think in no, this think information so. blizzard, that I say the internet is now. Uh -huh. It's an information blizzard where you can't see shit. And so it actually takes a real force of will to go and discover something outside your own belief system. It, but it goes back to the idea of being uh, curious. Yes. If you're not fucking curious, right? because you know what? Someone should do something about it. The truth is out there. If you're <laughs> not fucking curious, you're not going to see your, you, you, your worldview becomes one dimensional. Exactly. You come back to the one dimension and you cannot wrap your head around an actor who also paints and does uh, tours and improv comedy. You cannot put. That and God in, knows what else you and do. God will know the inventing shit and right. like whatever, man. Right. And then you're also a son, a boyfriend. Uh, do you so, own your apartment? Uh, we do, yes. Okay. Uh, you, you, you're a landowner, if you <laughs> land will. Owner. You know, like, you're all these things, but we see ourselves as that. And so often people say, well, you know what? I just can't do that. Yeah, but right. you know what? If it comes in, if you want an epiphany, you've had it. Right. And what I mean by that is you go, if I'm thinking, well, I got to lose weight, you go, boom, done. done. You just said you got to lose weight. I'm That's your epiphany. Right. It doesn't come with, na 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 horses coming down the street and motorcycle cops. Right, you know, right. It comes where you suddenly have an idea and then you take on that idea but if you're closing yourself off by saying Dave Rosowski is this one thing and I think the concept of self right is what it's all about like I've got to pretend I've talked about this before I've got to protect myself right it's not I have to protect myself it's I have to protect myself right that your self-identity exactly right that yeah. identity that I, I have created that has become comfortable with me and that has helped me and becomes your currency, particularly online, that that is the one thing that, you know, you're using the wedge in or whatever, that is like, oh, I identify myself with others of that self, so therefore I can create that community, even though yourself could be larger than that by then not wanting to not, you know, it, it sort of becomes this self-limiting uh, uh, prophecy 
of like, oh, I'm going to attach my self-identity to this self thing, and it's only reflected by others of that same self, then it becomes an echo chamber unless you are curious. Right. And go outside of that. And but, you know, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, you know, then that's a whole other level of uh, what what is unknown and the fear of the unknown and that fear then limits and you lock yourself up in fear and all that sort of thing. So sure. that's a whole nother conversation. I think it's interesting that what, in a way, my friend uh, Alexandra Billings, do you know Alex? Yes. When do I know Alex? She's, she's an actor. She's in, she's in Transparent now. She's just an awesome fucking person. Yes. And she's just great. She's great. And what Alex talks about, um, she's a great teacher. Uh, she teaches uh, viewpoints. She's a great teacher, and I, I was in, she was watching my class one day when I was working with Steppenwolf, and one of our students, this big guy who's a Iraqi war vet, I just kept pushing him, pushing him, and he fucking broke the fuck down. Oh, no. So it's not comedy. Right. It's not comedic improvisation. Right, right. He broke down, and, and, and he just broke down into this, this, this blubbering, six-foot-five blubbering mass of crying. Right. And Alex said, you know, later she goes, you shattered him. He shattered. You shattered him. He shattered. And I thought of the word shatter. And I thought of shattering. Right. Shattering isn't a bad thing. Shattering is an awesome thing because you're taking that self and you're breaking it to fucking all the yeah, millions of pieces. and with the shell, that armor. And, but it's also each piece that is shattered is you as well. That's right. So you can then reassemble that? Or, or just fucking, you, why do you want to reassemble it? Right. You've shattered. <laughs> Your new now is that shattering. Ah, fantastic. All those pieces are all you. Exactly. Love that. Love that. Was that at Steppenwolf? That, that, was, uh, that was, we, um, we do the California Cinema Arts Festival and Steppenwolf is hired to do a two-week program or a four-week program, and they, I work for them. I work right. for Steppenwolf. And so when you're teaching improv, you're specifically teaching non-comedic improv. In what, the, the improv that I'm teaching now is basically theatrical Buddhism. It's the idea of where are you right now? So right. I've, I've talked about this before. It's uh, Dean Hagman is standing, sitting in front of me. He's, he, you're in this shape. Right. So that's called shape, capital S shape. You are nodding. So you're doing a, so in, you're in a shape. Yeah. You're nodding. And, and that's a gesture, right? And you're nodding in repetition, and, and that's a, a viewpoint. Gesture, and gesture. then you're nodding at a tempo, and that's a viewpoint. And you're smiling, and that's a gesture. Uh -huh. And you stop smiling, and now you're not smiling. And now you're, you know, and now you're smiling again. <laughs> now I'm so that's repetition. This, right. So all these things. Once you identify these things, then you get to play with it. So that's pretty much uh, what I teach in improvisation. That's really cool. So that. you're breaking it down to the elementals. Absolutely. And then, so you can find that instinctive impulse. To compel you compel to do you the for. next thing. Right. So anybody that takes my improv class, they're not taking, anybody that's taking my improv class isn't taking an improv class per se. They're taking a class on mindfulness, but they don't know it. So right, what right. ends up happening is they are then aware of what it is that they're doing. So when they're emotionally changed, they're emotionally still... changed, then their body changes and I see you change. So right. if, I, if I know that you, if I know that you know what I'm talking, if I know that you know viewpoints, right. then I know that you know, that I know, that you know, that you've changed. Right. You follow what I'm saying? I sure do, because my theater training was Lecoq uh -huh. training right. in French, right? which is the, uh, you work physically from the outside towards the internal emotional side, and not the other way around, like method acting, was you build that emotion, and then your physicality comes from that, but that's also rife with a lot of injury. If you're working carefully with your plastiques and all your uh, body positions and almost choreographing how you're going to uh, bring that, then you take it to the emotional core because then a, lot, a lot of your muscle memory has a lot of that emotion in it. And when you release those muscles, that emotion comes out. So we did a lot of release work and all that sort of stuff. Everything that, all these viewpoints were, were, were designed by this woman, uh, were discovered and designed and defined initially by this woman named Mary Overly who looked at dancers. Ah, so right. all of that is, comes from the choreography. Absolutely, which is uh, uh, the Feldenkrais technique. And uh, and he was Australian, right? Wasn't I think it? so. Or, or, or the Alexander Alexander, Alexander, yeah, right? Alexander. He, he My was girlfriend the is, is is an Alexander teacher. No, she's studying to be an Alexander. Oh, is that right? Yeah, because yeah. I love the story of he, here's a Victorian actor, a Shakespearean actor, and we're talking about Alexander, not right. Feldenkrais. Right, right, right. Yeah, yeah, uh -huh. Alexander. And so he loses his voice. Do you know this story? I don't think so. No, I don't. So he loses his voice doing Shakespeare. And so he, he goes in front of a mirror by himself 
and he sees his body position. He sees he's tilting his head up like, you know, all of those thespians of the 16th and 17th century, and it was cutting off his throat. So when he moved his head and then started speaking, his voice came back, and then all of a sudden he started seeing all these other body positions that were locked up. And so he worked consciously to release each and every part of his body till he had this open expression, and then all these emotions came out. And then suddenly he could uh, resonate to the back. And so he went back to an Australian acting school and showed what he'd learned. And all of a sudden, this was so amazing. Then that Shakespeare company went to England and they sent money to Alexander to come teach that in England, but it wasn't enough money. So he went to the horse track with all the money that <gasps> the theater came and he looked at all the horses and the horse that was most released as he saw all the muscles, because he was so now highly trained in muscle tension, he bet on that horse and it was like a 50 to one shot and it won and he had enough money to go to England and back and bring the Alexander technique. And that's how that worked. Isn't that great? I love that story. That's awesome. That's awesome. That is awesome on like a billion levels. I know. That's awesome. It's and and it's awesome in the old school word awesome. Full of awe. It's I know. Some awe so in what a risk. Like, oh, we need you to go. Here's the money. And, you know, and had he lost it, he would have to go to the acting school. Yeah, I blew it in the right <laughs> track. And, we, and, and well, we would never hear about it. And here's the thing. Or, what would my yeah. girlfriend be doing right now? She'd still be in New York wondering what she's going to do instead of going out here and teaching. That's so uh, funny. <laughs> that is, that's great. That's yeah. great. That's, like, uh, so, so, so many of us are taught, um, in improv, and, and I've talked about this before, but so many of us are taught, like, a character, sit down and write what you think. It's like, fuck all sitting down and writing. Get the fuck out of the chair. Move the fuck around. Yeah. And also be aware that your partner, every that you are an emotional delivery system. That, which you're, the shape that you're giving me. is a vessel, and it's resonating from your toes right. to your head, and that the whole thing is transmitting your character, your intention, uh, the story, all of that. Your whole body's in play. I think that that goes back to the racism thing, where you, where somebody looks at somebody else and reads something into uh, what it is that that person is doing, and seeing them, it's either a threat. Okay, so from my point of view, that yeah. is, I'm a policeman. I'm looking at you, and you're standing on the corner, and it's like I know my point of view is the way that you're standing, you're a threat. Yeah, but yeah. What yeah. I don't know is you hurt your back, <laughs> and so that's why you're standing that like way. That. Exactly. You know, when I teach improv, one of the uh, uh, early things I have them do is uh, they start the scene sitting back to back and just breathing. And so you connect with each other's breath so that you're in the scene together because you hear you are, once you're breathing together, you are together together. And then you keep that breathing and you separate, but you still feel their breath. And then you start the scene without looking at each other. So you get, then you get your ass for it. It's like, okay, two guys, and you start the scene, but you are connected still just through breath and, and physicality to start. And then you have no uh, uh, preconceived ideas or you're looking at the body or attitude or... Or you're, you're not or you, thinking about what just happened. Or you're not thinking about what, or you're not coming in with a character, or, you know, somebody, right. the guy, oh, I got to do something funny. And you go all tensed up and you have now disassociated yourself from the whole scene work. And it's like, it's, <laughs> it's almost antithesis to how improv should go. Uh, yeah, I, this year, this is the year that I, I realized that in an improv scene, when you walk into an improv scene, you tell me how to breathe. Right. And yeah. also, awesome. I get to be mindful of what my breath is. So the moment that my breath changes, I know you got to me. Right. And so I don't have to go, because it's muscle memory, because the, the, the heartbeat, the heartbeat, the blood pressure, the breathing, the respiratory system are all connected to your emotion. Absolutely. And the diaphragm is a real key part to the whole of that, you know, because that's why it's in the center. And it's going up and down. It's like bringing your bottom and your top together. Right. I love that stuff. Yeah. Uh, and, and, and yet we're not, we're, we've become, we've come so far away from that. And, and it, you know, and I want to say, you know, I'm not the old man standing outside saying, hey, you kids get off my lawn. But I, sometimes I'm the old man who's standing outside saying, uh, saying, hey, you kids get off my lawn. Sometimes I'm that guy. <laughs> yeah, you I know, know right? Sometimes I want to go, you know what? Your music is noise. It is noise. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know what? It's noise. Um, Stop but everybody that. gets to go through what it is that they're going through. Uh, 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 I don't want to say but, but I'm going to say but. Uh, everything, everybody gets to go through what it is they're going through. But I've seen so many of my students who have come from the training of get this, here's the rule, here are the guidelines. And I go, listen, you know what? Let's leave it. Leave Let's it. just leave it just for a minute right. and see what that feels like. And just be in the moment and just ground yourself and 
take that in, take in this whole thing, breathe that all, you know, all the surroundings. And then you, you know, I listen to uh, improv nerd, comedy improv nerd, that guy up in uh, Chicago. Jimmy Crane? Yeah. Uh-huh. And, you know, for every two good things he says, there's three things that I don't agree with. And I'm always like, ah, oh, you know. It's like, well, maybe we come from different backgrounds. <laughs> That's you know? the one thing that you go, man, you know what? Let's just agree to disagree. Which exactly. the other day I said, the other day I posted something saying, That's the most passive aggressive, fucking useless goddamn phrase in the entire universe. <laughs> yeah, let's let's just agree to disagree. It's like, what does that mean? I never want to hear that again. I know, because it just means I don't really care to learn anything of why you have that opinion. Exactly. And I'm not going to change, so fuck all of you. And here's another thing. When you say let's just agree to disagree, it's sort of like what you just did was you pushed me out the window and you're still in the building and I'm standing out the window going, I'm in midair. There's no foundation or basis. I'm not standing on anything. Right. And there's no ability to learn. Like, okay, you know what? Let's hear your opinion as opposed to just shutting off this conversation with let's agree to disagree. Because all you said is a statement but I don't understand how you got to that statement. Let's let's explore this from your perspective. I'll be happy to do that. But it's just like, nah, here's here's my hand. Right. Go fuck yourself. And that here's my hand, go fuck yourself. That's exactly what I was thinking is like what you've just done was you've just said no to the nth degree and I'm done because there's nothing that I could do after that. There's no line that I can have after let's just agree to disagree right. that isn't continuing that raging fucking thing that's happening. And again, I blame the internet. Now, here's the old man on the lawn, <laughs> my thing. The Facebook and the thing and then the, and the blizzard of information out there. I think of, uh, you know, I watch a lot of uh, me TV. Uh, throwbacks to television. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Perry uh -huh. Mason and all that. Uh -huh. And I'm watching the Andy Griffith show. And I'm thinking, now, here's policing that would never exist today because Andy Griffith is like, well, hold on there, Barney. Like, Barney's like, oh, my God, the thing, the thing. Barney's the guy that gets traction on the internet. <laughs> Andy Griffith. <laughs> if, he, if Andy Griffith is like, okay, everybody here on Facebook, let's just back off from this Michael Brown thing, thing a little. Let's just have a little slight discussion. Like, fuck you, man. What the hell? Like, you know, it'd be Barney Fife has ruled the opinion of the internet. And there's no Andy Griffith left in the world. And he's just like, oh, man, when, how, we've got to get back to that Andy Griffith, like, sensibility. And not rely on the Barney Fife panic all the time. Yeah, yeah. And you're like, yeah. man. So I think about that often. Just like, well, let's just all, there, I need two guys sitting on the porch who may or may not agree, talking about world stuff that then somehow gets out into the ether, uh, you know. How do you do that without connecting to self? Because that's really what it's about. You know right. what I mean? The idea of going, well, you are shattering... Um, uh, who is it? I quoted it a couple times because I just read it and I fell in love with it. Uh, Werner Herzog said, I want to go to a movie that makes me forget that I'm on, that makes me, that, that kind of shatters my understanding of the human race uh, for two and a half hours. Right. And that thing on Pina Bausch, the three, or he didn't do the 3D Pina Bausch thing, did he? Um, no, he did the 3D cave. Yes, he yeah, did yeah, that. Yeah yeah yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And there was yeah. one on the dance troupe of Pina, Pina Bausch. Yeah. yeah, in 3D. And that one for a moment, it was like, wow, it was like, it, it was slowly mesmerizing yeah and you lost this physicality to it yeah and that sort of thing it and like, it's interesting because i had an, uh, an ex-girlfriend and i watched it and she's like I, uh, I don't get it i don't get the peanut thing i was like oh what i was um uh <laughs> so it is that feeling of uh, i need to be shattered i, yeah. I need I, I, but i've got to i've got to know that the self that i'm living is just a um, um, uh, a, a fabrication that I put together to make me know where I live and the clothes that I wear and the music that I like. Right. And, and you know, that was happening to me on the X-Files, particularly when it came down here. And there's a whole machine that will take you and Oh, you came down here from Vancouver. From Vancouver, to, yeah, uh, LA. Uh, to and L.A. They moved the production down They there? moved the production. It was five years up in Vancouver and the last four down here mm -hmm. because David wanted to be closer to his wife, but, which because wasn't the case. There was a whole long story of, like, them telling... David Duchovny all along. Oh, no, we're just coming back. So he slept on a mattress in a basement suite for the first three years of this fucking show. He said, if they just told me I'm going to spend three years in Vancouver, I would have gave up my place in L.A., took an apartment here in Vancouver. But instead, they like were so worried that they were going to lose the star if they said three years in Vancouver that they uh, just kept lying to him. And so that's but at that time, nobody was doing that sort of thing. That's right. Nobody was doing it. And, nobody, and now, and people, then, now it's like, yeah, all right, yeah, fine. Yeah, fine. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So... so uh, so yeah, coming down here, then then you're you, there's a whole machine of publicity and limos and you know the restaurants that sort of manifest yourself, like they will tell you what yourself is, right? And you can really get caught up in that 
if, don't you know who I am? Yeah, exactly. And, and the question really is, don't I know who I am? <laughs> that really should, don't I know who I am? Right, which is the airline uh, joke, right? Ladies and gentlemen, there's a gentleman who doesn't know who he is, if he can help them. Did you hear that story? Right. Yeah. 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 So that's how we get to self. Uh, And then that story went from there. Yeah. To the idea. I don't know. To shattering. To shattering. That. That. Yeah. I don't. And I like to shatter. Well, not every day, but I like to, you know, take a moment to go. Oh yeah. What? What do I? What? What? What block do I ever? What? What two things have welded together? that I should now try loosen up. That you, you know, could loosen up. That I could loosen up. Right. And often it's physical, like, you know, oh, your shoulders are all tight or, you know. For uh, you to be aware of what the fuck's going on. Just be aware of what the fuck's going on. Not- and it goes back to how, how there's something that once said, somebody said something like, there's nothing that I let go of that doesn't have claw marks in it. <laughs> <laughs> you know, there's nothing in my life that I let go of that doesn't have, I gotta hold yeah, on to that. you gotta fight. And, but the question really is, what can I surrender today? Well, and see, that's what improv, I think, has taught me the most that I've so incorporated in my life is this idea of surrendering that, you know, if you actually go like and think, oh, I'm going to travel the world and I'm going to go on stage without a script for an hour and entertain masses amount of people, I would freak the fuck out and not be able to do it. But if you let go and go, I'm just going to be there in the moment and let that happen and, you know, there'll be audience interaction and people come up and join me on stage. Then all of that will happen. That's uh, that's the Nazi. There's a, oh. there's a concentration camp across the street. All <laughs> oh, those poor kids. That's what, that's what the cops were. That was like one of those things. Oh, I see. Uh, and they have entertainment once a year. They let them out of the caves and they unchain them. And they <laughs> and go, they run okay, free. fine. And now they, get back in the caves. <laughs> exactly. And then Werner Herzog's going to do a 3D movie. About it. Um, uh, but uh, uh, but improv. Uh, oh, yeah. So no, no, the idea of surrendering. Surrendering, yeah. And this idea of you walk into you know, the world with open arms. If you see, the, in, instead of seeing it as the big picture, see it as the moment. Right. And what I've been talking about lately is, this, this just hit me this year, is all improvisation, the product is the process. Yes. And we're, what you are, what the audience is paying for is to watch you go through the process. And think and, and be alarmed and, and get into trouble. In that moment. In right, that don't moment. get out of trouble. And the moment you deus ex machina the fuck out of that, and then the Lord came down and fixed everything. You go, really? really? It was all a dream? That's all you really? needed? Really? It was right. all a dream? I know. It was all a dream? That's so we, sad. We watched, uh, we were doing a, Second City did a, uh, Second City did a show that was a parody of our time. And we watched every single our town that was ever, ever done. And uh, uh, Thornton Wilder's our town. Yeah. And um, we watched one that was done during the war, during World War II, that had Frank Sinatra as the stage manager. What? Yeah, right? I've never heard of this one. So it gets to the point where, in the play, movie, it gets to the point where uh, she dies. So because it's during the war, she doesn't die. It's all a dream. Uh, What? Yeah, right? You would think that during the war, that's when you really need that cathartic moment. Oh, yeah, yeah. But this is during, like, bring them home uh, over yeah. there. Well, that was World War One, But, <laughs> you know, it's like, uh, pardon me, boy. It's yeah, like, exactly. You know, that's There'll a- be bluebirds over <laughs> the white <laughs> <cliffs> of Dover. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. World War Two was started by Vera Lynn's agent. That's the <laughs> right, exactly. Okay. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Um, yeah, when the war was over, he must have been, like, your whole song catalog is war songs what the hell i'm sorry um (laughs) jesus christ what just happened oh yeah so our town so surrendering so surrendering surrendering the the idea of uh uh, of of being in the moment surrendering letting go and this is what i think is huge because this goes back to self the idea that if i surrender who it is that i am on stage i won't know what the fuck i'm supposed to do right but when you need to surrender when you need to surrender in that moment what you're letting go of, surrendering is letting go of that which no longer serves you. And in that moment that you're being served by everything that led up in that scene, everything that led up to that one point, and you're going, oh my God, I don't have anything else. No, you're totally wrong. What just happened is you just got re-energized with the new fucking shit that's going on. Totally. Let go of that other bullshit that fucking doesn't matter. And you're propelled forward and the scene drives and the scene takes off at that point. It's act two of scene one. Absolutely. You get the fucking second act of your scene. Totally, because you got all this new energy. And so often you see that uh, it, that fear that comes in and it's the fear of letting go and the fear of the unknown of the next moment that then makes everybody climb on or, or go oh, to bag of tricks or yeah, whatever. Yeah, because I know who I was no, I and was. now I don't know who I am anymore right. because and I, you just shattered me. Right. 
So I, no, I'm the character with the beanbag on my head. So I'll reference right. the beanbag again. Yeah, where's my beanbag? <laughs> exactly. And you're like, okay, the hell with the beanbag. We get it. You're a character <laughs> with the beanbag on the head. What the hell's the story? I'll right. move that story forward. Right. And, and that's then, when you jump the shark. Exactly. And I and I always I'm. That's why a lot of the improv I teach is storytelling. Move that story forward, and you'll and your character will take care of itself. Clearly. And so so much character work is done. I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Okay. We could do that, but not as an improv thing. The improv thing is telling that story to move that story because when you let go and you surrender, that story comes from a group think, and that will propel everybody off. Because stage. I'm not holding on to it. And Weird. Nor, nor should anybody else be all. If we all surrender into a big circle, you know, have you ever done contact improv? The yes. fiscal one? Back in the day. Yeah, yeah. But it's that two fingers... Two actors just touch a finger and then let the energy go a third way that neither one thinks about, like a Ouija board. Yep. And then you're you're doing amazing physical dance. And and, and the 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 challenge for that had always been you being you doing the finger thing, holding on to each other, and then suddenly your ego goes, "What are you doing? What yeah, do you yeah, look yeah. like? What are you doing? Where is this going? Yeah. Like who the fuck?" Don't listen to the who is, don't listen to the where is it that you're going guy. Yeah, yeah. Because the where is it that you're going guy, where the fuck is the where is it that you're going guy? Where is, where are you? Where is it that you're going guy? I know. I, I You know, this is about judgment and judges and people in your life and voices in your head that you've attached to or that have been inserted in there by someone in your past that then you manifest as your own. And there is uh, another workshop I do where you, you separate those into entities on the wall sort of thing. And you have them watch you perform something, but then when you hear that voice, you point to those fuckers and you call them out. And it's really powerful work, it's really uh, deep. But, Say that again. Okay, so it's judges. Yeah. So it's the idea of judges. Mm -hmm. so, so in all of us, there's a, like the superior, Supreme Court, mm -hmm. and they're all there, and basically their voices are probably people from your past, maybe some who traumatized you, maybe people who bullied you, whatever. But you have uh, internalized them as a voice of your own mm -hmm. and it's stopping you from allowing you to fail or fall or, or you have fear so you can't surrender. Mm -hmm. So you take each one of these voices and you apply it to these fictitious, uh, invisible, perhaps, uh, Supreme Court judges on the wall. Then when you perform and you hear one of those voices, you attach it and you call that fucker out and you confront him and the power is taken away and those judgments and the judges fall away, and also you stop judging other people, and then you are no longer judging because you're not, you don't have those judges in your head. Well, then what would I talk about? <laughs> <laughs> there would be nothing. Oh, I'd be so lonely in my head. <laughs> right. But I put all those people in there. That's why they're I'm asking there. them to leave. Hey, what the hell? <laughs> well, sadly, they never leave, but you can, uh, you know. Oh, they're, they're always knocking at the door. They're always knocking at the door, but you can tell them to shut up. Or right. And, Don't engage with them. Or they become allies. That's the other weird thing. Oh, then they both, geez. then they open up and it's like, ah, oh, fuck, yeah. You know, so you have a second, you know, I always think when I'm improvising, I see like five, seven train tracks going down. So there's story, different elements, right? And I can jump train tracks based on however it's going. You know, this is uh -huh. a, a visualization of like it's how many things. It's interesting to use train tracks because I feel like train tracks for me, because I, I, say, I say to my students, um, improvise, don't improvise like a train, improvise like a crow. A train is, it goes to set locations. Oh, that's right. But it, yeah, right. But I mean, what you're saying is, you're saying, okay, there are a bunch of train tracks that I can jump on. Right. Either so what? it's not just one train. It, yeah, they're all going at the same time and they're all steaming locomotives at high speed and then I'm on top of them jumping from... Got it. Right so trains. you're still, you're not in any of those cars. Right. You're on those cars. Okay. Ah, that's it. Right. That's it. It's the spiritual idea of I am on the... I am on the, I am of the earth. Right. But not in the, I'm not locked down exactly. in Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So okay. I think we're going to have to stop there. Okay. Awesome. Oh my God. We learned so much. Jesus Christ. <laughs> there's, there's like nine more episodes. Yes. It, for a transcript of this show, please. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for listening to ADD Comedy. For Dave Rizowski, I'm Ian Foley. For more information on Dave, you can go to his website at www.davidrizowski.com or follow Dave on Twitter at drizowski.